Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. And I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Ross Martin and Greg Barnes. And Ross, I'll go ahead and start with you. Offensive line is a position that was supposed to be of strength for North Carolina, and it may still be, but certainly attrition and injuries, as Greg wrote about, on the site today and that you guys have observed during practice time. Let's start the discussion. I mean, is, is this something to worry about for North Carolina at this point? I think the fact that your best offensive lineman was not on the field at practice on Monday is concerning. We don't know the full report on injuries. Obviously, Fedora's policy on not revealing much about injuries hinders us from really reporting much on it. But um, that's why, you know, UNC – Stress is building depth, and we saw on Monday they have William Sweet and Charlie Heck at tackle. They've moved Jared Cohen up to a guard spot, surpassing R.J. Prince, and and then of course Cam Dillard at center. So, yeah, I mean Bentley Spain was the was going to be the guy, and I think I think I don't I mean I don't know what to say about how serious the injury is, but that's definitely concerning when your leader and your probably your most trusted. Offense lineman's not there. so But they, they did have some guys. There's some guys going to get some valuable reps, which could pay off big time down the road. We're talking about guys like Sweet and Heck getting first-team reps and, and some more guys at guard getting some valuable reps there. So, I mean, that's uh, that's the silver lining of, of all these injuries. And the hope for UNC fans is that Spain can come back in time for you know Cal or, or Louisville. You make a great reference in your article, Greg, about Kapilovic's wanting to have – I don't know, versatility, I guess, across the line. Guys that can play multiple positions. And a lot of times it's looked at like, I mean, you're good at all of them, a master of none, but his policy or his way of doing things is certainly helping out at this point. And it certainly has borne fruit in the past. Your take on that with all these guys, like Ross says, getting reps all over the line pretty much. I mean, it's got to help Carolina when injuries happen. Yeah, for sure. And I think the fact that Coming into training camp, this would have been the ideal year for Cap to say, hey, I've got enough guys. We can have a legitimate two deep. Just rotate them in and we'll be fine. But he hasn't done that. And he didn't do that back in the spring. You know, the whole talk this offseason was, hey, Bentley Spain's at left guard. Uh, does that mean he's going to play there? And that was, a, that was a possibility. But just the fact that they were able to move him inside, gives him a lot more opportunities to play different positions. And there's a lot of guys like that. You know, William Sweet and Charlie Heck have rotated a lot. Uh, we've, we've seen a number of guys play both guard and center. Cap said on Monday that nine guys in spring ball took snaps at center. That's and crazy. Those, <laughs> that's a I crazy couldn't believe number. that number when I read that, Greg. Yep. That, that is – I'd wager that that's n- never happened. At, at, in any school, unless they're just saying, hey, man, you go snap the ball. I mean, nine. And I, I think that kind of speaks to the issue that they had. Uh, I mean, you've got J.J. McCargo, who's a kid who is a highly recruited 
uh, freshman at the time. Really beyond that, you're you're looking at you know, guards uh, that are guards that aren't centers that you want to give them experience there, and then you've got a lot of a lot of walk-ons who you want to maybe have as a insurance policy. The fact that they were able to get Cam Dillard in really helps. But kind of where I was going with that is, even though they've had some injuries and some guys were banged up and and some attrition, the fact that Cap has been willing to rotate these guys and get them uh, work at different positions to really showcase that versatility, even when there's some injuries that pop up, you're not in panic mode because you still have plenty of guys. He has always been a guy that wants five starters and three solid backups. One guy that can play both tackle spots, one guy that can play both guard spots, and a backup center. And if he has that, he's got plenty for the season. And so we're not anywhere close to where that's being an issue right now. He just doesn't have the depth that maybe he thought he was going to have throughout camp. And I think a testament to what the staff did in the offseason and bringing Cam Dillard and bringing in Jaron Cohen back is now looking genius. Yep. Because they have a guy who played 19 games in the SEC, a guy that from all accounts has exceeded expectations in Cam Dillard in terms of what he can do at center. We spoke to him today on the field, you know, a great kid that seems very confident in what he can do, and that's huge for that center spot. Cap talked about how viable it is for that center spot to be locked down this early in camp. And then Jared Cohen, who I noticed very, looks very slight for what he was in 2014, but obviously he's already, you know, playing with the ones to some extent, and, you know, he plays a true freshman, so you know that ability is there. If he can get that recall back and hopefully build a little more strength and mass, you know, he's a guy that, you know, UNC is getting on the cheap as a walk-on. And so those two moves um, are, are kind of kind of incredible to think about. You know, maybe six months ago, they weren't even in a uh, thought. And a guy like Dillard, I mean, center is the most important spot, without a doubt, and it goes without saying, but the way North Carolina's offensive run, offense runs, Dillard will play a huge role regardless of who's beside him. Let me ask you both this, and Ross, I'll, I'll ask you since it's in your scoop portion. You say Jarrett Cohen looks slight um, or underweight, noticeably underweight. Uh, how far down is he? And Fedora said he's still reaching his strength marks, but still big pushes little when it comes to the trenches. So where is he and, and where does the staff think he may can get, not, if not by September 2nd, certainly into the season? Yeah, he's 20 pounds lighter than what he was in 2014 as a true freshman. So I think he's probably around maybe 285, 290. I'm trying to pull up what his exact weight is right now. He's listed at, at 300. I doubt, I doubt he's at 300 right now. Um, he just lost a lot of weight because he's away from the game and away from a strength and conditioning program for two years. And you can kind of, I, I could kind of tell that. I kind of look for it. But um, yeah, the strength's still there. And I think just talent wise and, and technique wise, he's probably a little bit more advanced than what they have on the line and Fedora and cap were very impressed with his recall and ability to, to get back in the offense and learn the calls and learn the scheme, which are obviously positives for UNC. It's such an interesting story. I mean, it's an incredible, I mean, it's a really cool story. I'd, I'd love to kind of get inside his mind and see what happened there. Yeah. Well, looking forward to hear it when you write about it or, or tell us about it one day. It's <laughs> good luck getting to the mind of a, a 18 to 22 year old. They are uh an interesting bunch. Greg, so if Spain's down, does Dillard sort of replace him 
as the leader on the offensive line, even though he's a grad transfer? That's a great question, Tommy. And I don't know the answer to that right yet. Um, I think Cam is the kind of guy that he came in and really showcased his worth of ethic and his willingness to do whatever it took to, to get on the field. And by all accounts, uh, his teammates have really embraced him and respect him. He's a very sharp kid. Uh, spent some time after practice on Monday chatting with him. Uh, so you know, he's, a, he's a husband. He's a father. So he's essentially a grown man. So that helps. But I think the fact that you've got so many other guys, I mean, R.J. Prince uh, is a, you know, a senior, um, you know, kind of a quiet guy, but you've also got you know, William Sweet, been around a while, and people probably haven't heard a lot from William in terms of watching him in interviews, but he is a very sharp, very articulate kid. I can see him stepping into a leadership role. And you got guys like Nick Polino who've been around a while. So um, I, I think the fact that so many guys have played a little bit for North Carolina helps take the pressure off maybe a Dillard because that is a tough role to come into. Uh, but you know, Spain's a, a, a great leader on this offense, not just offensive line, but the offense in general. So I'm sure you know, regardless of how long he may be sidelined, he's still a very vocal presence in that, in that meeting room. To piggyback off that, I've known Sweet for a little while. Great kid. Wants to be an athletic director as a career. You know, and he's been on the team for three years. So I think that's a guy they can turn to. Played a little bit last year as well. And then Dillard, I mean, yeah, he's a he's a husband and he's a he's a father. And you know he's got his eyes on the NFL and then trying to make this year special. So he's gonna do all he can to to become the best player he can be in, you know, one season. I think that's some 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 real motivation there. So they're definitely guys they can turn to. And I don't think it's a I don't think it's a line that will be lost without Spain. And I think there's there's word that the injury is could be very serious or he could be back for Cal. So I don't know if the whole Spain injury is is a, a big deal or not. Well, we'll find out soon enough. And and the thing about it is, and Greg, last question on offensive line, chemistry is so important. And we've talked about it with Ingersoll and with Staples and even back when we used to have Checos on these podcasts. I mean, these guys have got to work together. I mean, I know Cap thinks the same. These guys have got to get reps together to be able to go out as a cohesive unit on September 2nd. How do they manage that portion of it by rotating guys in and out, moving guys around so much? Yeah, and then Cap actually talked about that, Tommy. I mean, that, that's part of the issue. You know, the good thing is you've got all these guys. Uh, the challenge is you've got all these guys. So, so how do you determine who's going to play? And when you're tinkering around with versatility and moving – a guy in, you know, from tackle to guard or from guard to center or vice versa, that just adds to the volume of players that you're working in. So that's one thing Cap said is you know, we've done a lot of that thus far, but, I mean, we're, we're about halfway through camp already. People don't want to hear that, but the first week of game prep for Cal is in two weeks, less than two weeks now. I mean, by that point in time, all this has to be resolved. And so I think it's really a matter of kind of getting an idea of what he's got, uh, starting to find some, some uh, units that he likes, some pairings that he likes, and really starting to kind of build uh, some chemistry there just with repetition and getting them a lot more work and scrimmages and starting. This is like any other position, um, but it's starting to allow you know, the core guys and the core units to kind of separate from the rest. And maybe they start getting more reps. But that holds true for all the positions, Tommy, from wide receiver to running back and, of course, the quarterback as well. 
Yeah, perfect lead. You set that one up. Ross, let's talk about the quarterbacks. I mean, Elliot is showing up big in practice. Your take on the competition, and ultimately, does it matter? Because we've talked about it, and I think it's probably the case. These guys are both going to play, at least early, a lot. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's super interesting now that we're two weeks in and there's been no separation. A lot of coach speak from from both both Coach Cap and Coach Fedora, so who knows who's really leading. But there's cert- from the scrimmage reports and things like that, there certainly hasn't one guy that stands out a lot. And Nathan Elliott has been very consistent, been very solid, been very smart with the ball, efficient, everything that Fedora preaches he wants from a quarterback. So that's very intriguing considering that Brand Harris has been playing um, catch-up since he got on campus. Um, it adds a very interesting dynamic to the quarterback race. Greg probably watched the quarterbacks a little bit more at Monday's practice, but uh, it's very interesting to see. I mean, even if Brandon Harris wins, I think it's reassuring that that Elliott's there, will get some time this season, and certainly will have a shot or be the guy for the next two years, 2018 and 2019, because they pretty much have Harris on a loan. But uh, – it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next two weeks and who Fedora and Heck and Cat pick for the September 2nd opener. Yeah, and, and Tommy, we talk a lot on this podcast and on Inside Carolina about we're going to practice, but we only have a very short window. and We only go certain times a week. And we really kind of preface that so people don't think that everything we say uh, is semen and in stone, right? I mean, it's kind of a, a thing of, we're giving you what what we see, take it for what it's worth. And most of the time, we're able to get you know, pretty good information, and we combine that with talking to people around the program, uh, and we have a very good track record of that kind of thing. Having said that, if there's one position where we get to see a lot of, it's quarterback. Because the way they rep those quarterbacks, we get to see a lot of passing. We get to see a lot of passing to the wide receivers. We get to see a lot of passing to the running backs on swing routes, and it's this constant repetition. You know, for about 20 to 25 minutes, we're watching these guys fling the ball. And so, you know, three years ago when I'm on here hyping Mitch Trubisky and people really hadn't seen him yet, it was for a reason. And five years ago when we're saying, uh, you know, Marquise, he's got a ways to go with his throwing ability. There was a reason for that because uh, we get to see these guys quite a bit. Now, having seen what we've seen thus far, dating back to the spring and with Brandon Harris entering the equation this year, or this, this training camp, there really is not a huge separation between any of these guys. Um, I mean, you can tell that Chas Rat, you know, he's still working on some mechanics, but he's got a pretty good arm, and he can fling the ball. Harris has a very strong arm, but just in watching some crossing routes and some 10-yard outs today, I mean, Nathan Elliott consistently puts the ball on the money. He may not be the flashiest guy, uh, but he apparently is very intelligent. He knows the playbook. At a minimum, you know that he is a guy that can step in and, and be successful. Is he going to be explosive, some high-end you know, quarterback threat that's going to take the world of, of storm? There's no way to know that, right? I mean, there's nothing to suggest that that's the case. But he's a good option. Um, and when you compare that with like a Brandon Harris, Harris is still missing some guys high on some of those passes. And he's still kind of you know, tapping himself on the head after he makes a mistake. And he's still kind of getting pulled to the side and working on footwork issues that he's talked about uh, you know, earlier in camp. 
So he's still learning. You know, he's not quite there yet. Coach Cap said that he has made he had a very steep learning curve coming in. He's made tremendous strides. He's not there yet, but he's getting there. So I really think these next couple of weeks, we're really going to get to see, okay, is Elliott's consistency, is that enough to win the starting job? Or does Brandon Harris continue to make improvements? And in another week, he reaches that potential and that possibility that everybody around the program expected this offseason, and he's able to grab that starting spot. We don't get to see the scrimmages, unfortunately. Uh, both guys have had some success. They had some success on Sunday. but. I think it's a competitive race right now. I agree with Ross. It's going to be very interesting how Fedora decides to go. Do you go with maybe a little more flash, a little more potential, or do you take the somewhat safer option? And that, that, that'll be uh, very, very interesting to watch here next three weeks. I think it would have been very beneficial for UNC to have a couple uh, cupcakes to start the season. That way they could figure it out and run with, you know, you know, two or three quarterbacks to, to kind of test, but they don't throw into the fire with Cal and then Louisville back to that. And then they got Duke and Georgia Tech. So there's, there's not much wiggle room. They kind of have to pick a guy and go with it because you can't. I mean, it's going to be tough to kind of roll with two quarterbacks when it's a competitive game from, from, from the go. Well, let me ask go this, ahead. Greg, and then we can go back and forth. Now, is it a flash versus consistency thing, which – I think ball security is going to be huge and throwing high over the middle is trouble period, no matter what the quarterback is. So if Harris is prone to do that, that's going to be an issue, but is it more than that? I mean, Harris didn't, wasn't brought here to, to sit and people watch that and people see, um, Hey, if I'm a grad transfer, I, I don't want to go and sit. So is there more in this equation than maybe would be if, if Harris was just a, a fourth year senior? or like it was when Trubisky and Marquise Williams, and I'm not comparing the players themselves on ability to either player, but the situation's kind of similar, right? You've got a quarterback that you knew was good in Trubisky, but you've got a guy in Marquise um, that was just right for that team. So it's kind of a catch-22, isn't it, Ross? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of who pick your poison there. I'm not really sure. I mean, it's got to be tough. I mean, Cam Dillard said that it's got to be a tough decision for Cap, for for Cap and for Fedora to pick their guy. It's kind of what you want, you know. I mean, is Brand Harris enough of a runner, where he his running ability is just so much better than Nathan Elliott, and that adds such a different dimension to the offense? Or is uh, yeah, like like Greg said, Elliott's consistency such a valuable aspect of what UNC does that that outweighs the dynamic ability for. The, you know, Harris's deep ball or Harris's ability to break off a 30 yard run. It's sort of something we can track, you know, really wish we had an um, opportunity to see some of these scrimmages and kind of see them, you know, with a pass rush and, and un- running the offense consistently and kind of seeing how they operate in the no huddle with the different uh, paces of the offense. I was going to say, if, if North Carolina signs Malik Zaire in December, he shows up in uh, April or March for spring practice or even your Brandon Harris at that point in time, and they get him in for spring ball, you, we may not be having these conversations. But the fact that Harris didn't graduate at LSU until July, and so he's not able to go through a lot of the practices. And he really, I mean, you know, Fedora was on vacation when he finally joined the team. And so he's had a lot of information to learn quickly. He's going from a pro-style Cam Cameron offense 
to this unique thing that Fedora runs. And so, like I said, cap set, you know, there's the learning curve is substantial and it's not just the playbook. It's learning the wide receivers. It's understanding what the offensive line's doing. It's learning your running backs who are new. You know, it's not like he has guys back there he can lean on because they're all fresh-faced guys. It's getting the footwork down. So there's a lot of stuff that he had to pick up, and the coaching staff knew that, obviously. And so they weren't going to you know, rush him along, and that's one of the reasons that you know, the reps were split up the way they were. You know, I want to make sure people aren't panicking at this point in time, saying, oh, no, he's not going to be ready. They probably didn't expect him to be ready right now. It's a work in progress. Now, they're getting to the point where he's got to be able to pick it up. You know, I think best-case scenario, Harris comes in the first week, proves he's better than everybody else. They go ahead and name him the starter, give him the bulk of the reps, and things go from there. But it's also a testament to what Elliott, as well as Surratt and Bird have done. You know, all those guys have looked pretty good. Uh, they, they, you can tell, especially with Stratton Burr, they've made growth and, and improvements and strides since spring ball, which is what you want. So that bodes well for the future. Uh, but my point being, if they were able to get a guy and whoever it may have been in the spring, the conversation may be completely different right now. What Cap said was that the offense that LSU ran compared to what UNC does is like night and day for Harris. The fact that there's no huddle is a huge variation from what he did at LSU where they huddled up and took their time and ran the ball a lot. And so, yeah, I mean, when you talk about learning curve, the learning curve was so big. I know Greg said that already, but it's important to stress that, that he's having to put together this offense and, and learn this offense in, in really four weeks other than some time in the summer of just looking at tape and stuff. And I think it's also important to note, I know on the message boards, people are hyped up about Chad Surratt, but I mean, I covered Logan Bird's recruitment and he's no slouch either. So there's a lot of talent on this team in terms of quarterbacks, I think it's a good problem to have for UNC. There's so many options for now that there's a, a healthy competition at quarterback for this season. And then looking ahead, there's a healthy competition for 2018. And that with what Bird and Surratt can bring for the future, what they have in the recruiting class coming in, that the quarterback situation looks good for the, the immediate and the, you know, the, the kind of distant future for the Heels. Yeah, and Tommy, before we, we completely bleed this topic dry, I want to get back to something <laughs> Ross mentioned earlier about that season opener. And I know a lot of people assume that, you know, with all the coaching changes, Cal's not going to be that good. And they obviously have lost a lot of talent, all these things. But Justin Wilcox is a heck of a defensive mind. And the one benefit that he has is what some, some of North Carolina's opponents had last year is that they North Carolina really has no idea what Wilcox is going to do defensively. And, you know, he's, he's at a Power 5 school, so he may not have elite talent yet, but he's got some decent players at least. I don't think there's any question about that. And so, I mean, that factors into the equation of, you know, you have to be very clean and you have to protect the ball in the opener because like Fedora said last week, He's going to expect precision and close to perfection in game one. Now, how that's defined is if the guys can't handle only so much, the playbook is whittled down entirely. And so you know, in order to have these guys comfortable, we may have a very pared down offense in that first game. You know, is that something where Wilcox can take advantage of? And that's all going to completely depend on what the quarterback, whoever it may be, 
can do, you know, and, and prep week one. Good stuff, guys. Ross, I know you've got a prior commitment. Greg, you're always busy, so we're going to cut this one a little bit short, but tons to talk about after this one. Offensive line issues, quarterback competition, ton of content on the message board. Greg and Ross and John Bowman have covered practices well, plenty of articles. So to our listeners and our readers, or our listeners certainly read up on the boards and uh we will soon be back with you to discuss more practice, more Carolina football camp. But for now, guys, thanks. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy, anytime. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.